0: Hello, welcome to the Where Do We Begin podcast. My name is Lena Mihailovic and I'm an Australian athlete selected for the 2021 Tokyo Olympic Games. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my life and I hope you like this episode.
1: Thanks for that, Lena. My name is Harper. My co-host on this glorious, glorious evening goes by the name of Lockie. How are you, Lockie? Oh, I'm absolutely awesome, Harps. How are you? I'm very, very good. Thank you, mate. Superb. You could even say I'm even better, actually, for the fact that we are releasing this episode with the great Lenin Mihailovic, recorded a while ago before uh, the Olympic window, so we're not breaching any restrictions here at Where Do We Begin, just for the lawyers listening. Um, Yeah. But do you want to tell us a bit about this cracking episode, Lockie? Oh, Len is such
2: a talent. You know, she's obviously rep- representing Australia in water polo The upcoming Olympics You know, she loves the sport She grew up with it Her dad's a coach uh, She represented Arizona State at college level in the water polo oh, She's such a talent of the sport And I just I just love hearing her talk about the game And I'm sure our listeners will too
1: Yeah, I'm really, really excited about it. And for that exact reason, I reckon we should just dive in Yeah, I've never heard a bloke talk more about his love of the game So I can't
2: wait for our listeners to hear about The, uh, the number one ticket holder of water polo in Australia Harper, let's crack into it We'll
1: Water polo, for me, is the must-watch sport of the Olympics. I just love it. Mind you, I only watch it every four years, but, my God, I am so excited for it all to kick off on the 24th of July when our Aussie Stingers play Canada. And speaking of excitement, we've got the privilege today of having an amazing member of the team on the show. She's earned 44 caps for the Stingers, travelled the world, and no doubt has some awesome stories to tell, and she's listened to the podcast before, which is always a bonus. We love it. So, Lena Mihailovic, alright. Welcome to where
0: do we begin? Thanks for having me.
2: It's an absolute pleasure, Lena. And for our listeners, this is actually her first podcast, so I guess it's a little bit like playing your first ever water polo game in the Olympics. It's uh, starting off at the top, so uh, <laughs> but we're, uh, we're looking forward to it. It's also our first water polo player on uh, player on the podcast. So if you stone. go easy on if you go easy on us, we'll go easy on you.
0: <laughs> Sounds
1: good. <laughs> All right. Now before we kind of getting into all the kind of nitty-gritty about your life and career, which is really interesting according to all our research. we, As we have in all of these Olympic episodes, we kind of want to get to know the sport and the event before uh, we get into some of the other stuff. So water polo, obviously, uh, I know, I think it has seven players. Obviously, it's in water, a bit like European handball in the water. But what else can you tell us about water polo that listeners might want to know?
0: Um, It's 13 players, but seven actually play at a time. One is goalkeeper. It- pretty much like European handball or almost some people say basketball. Um, there's no really certain position and a lot of things happen underwater, which like referees don't see. So it's like, how much can you get away with? <laughs> um, yeah. And it's actually a pretty physical sport.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I'm interested. So like, are there certain different, like specific like team roles or positions within the sport? You touched on it a little bit earlier saying like there's no real set positions, but what are sort of like the tactics and roles within the team?
0: Yeah. So usually there are two goalies. Um, and like one goal is in at a time. And then th- we play like almost around the goal. Like we said, we call it mushroom. And there is a uh, center forward, which is in the middle. And they're usually like, they're, that's a very specific position. Usually center forwards just play a center position and center back. And center back is the person guarding the center. And that's probably the most physical position, the most like wrestling and grabbing. And then there is like positions all around, which are usually faster players and like outside shooters.
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting that you touched on that, that It's quite like a physical sport Because I think Harper in his research like, It was only first introduced for women uh, To participate in the, at the Olympic Games in 2000 But the men had been doing it in I guess, since like 1900 1900, or 1900 yeah, So talk a little bit about that First
0: uh first team sport at the Olympics I'm pretty sure for men um, wow. So, yeah, it's really surprising that I only introduced it since it's like for men, it was one of the first sports. I think it's actually first team sport at the Olympics that women's came up so much later, like only in Sydney.
2: So why do you think that was?
0: Um, Actually, I think at the start, not as many teams played for women. But at the moment, I think women's water polo is more spread out than men's. Like men's water polo is very much concentrated like around Europe. like all the top teams are mainly in european countries while women's water polo is more spread out so yeah i'm
1: i don't know do you reckon there's maybe an element of you spoke about the aggression and i think lots of people have seen the, the fights happening underwater on their youtube clips uh but do you reckon the aggression the kind of old-fashioned uh kind of beliefs that women can't handle aggression like men, do you reckon that had a role to play in not water polo not coming into the Sydney Games?
0: Um, Probably, yeah, I think so. But also, like, um, at Sydney Games, up until actually Tokyo, it was only eight women's teams, and men has been always twelve at the Olympics, and this is actually the first Olympics where we will have 10 teams, so we are still not equal to men, but at least it's two more teams, you know. So for Olympics, I think it's hard because – uh, it's not actually the best teams always in the Olympics who make it because like Netherlands last time they have been to Olympics they actually won it and they haven't qualified since and this is like first time they qualified again so it's really hard because it was only eight teams who qualify.
2: Yeah, well, at least it's getting better. And I guess something that really always interests me about different sports is just like the different training methods that it has. And I'm really inter- interested because water polo is such a physically demanding sport. Could you sort of t- tell us a little bit about your routine and in preparation for games and like what I guess gets you feeling like, I guess, fit and ready for a uh, match day?
0: Yeah, So we do a lot of different stuff because I feel like water polo is a mix of good swimming, wrestling, but also shooting accuracy, skills, there's a bit of everything. So we do a lot of swimming We do long distance, short distance, sprints, and then we also do a lot of like wrestling and physical like contact work and then um, technical like passing, shooting, executing the shot and then also gym work. So it's a combination of all of that. So at the usually beginning of season, it's more focused on conditioning. And then the closer it comes to games, it's more like perfecting the skills and, you know, working on smaller details.
2: So do you do the conditioning? Is that all swimming or is it also sort of like running or how do you get your conditioning work in?
0: Well, we usually have at least three gyms a week, so we do a lot of stuff out of the water as well. But we still like to – we have sessions where it's just conditioning, so we do swimming, we wear weight belts and do, like, work, and we have bands that we wear in the pool and, like, stretch them and, you know – And then we have like med balls, which are heavier balls, and we pass with them and like hold them above the water and things like that.
2: (laughs) So I guess speaking about training methods, and I guess during our research, something that uh, took my eye was the fact that you did a training session out on the Great Barrier Reef. I mean, what was that like? It looked absolutely amazing.
0: Yeah, that was actually towards our preparation for our World Champs. We were in Cairns and we got an opportunity to go to Great Barrier Reef and actually play a game there. It was the first water polo game ever played in Great Barrier Reef. And it was definitely an amazing experience. My favourite ever game and place to be, actually. Um, we had an amazing day. We were able to, like, snorkel around and then they set up a field and we played the whole game and it was so much fun and definitely, like, amazing view, beautiful
2: yeah, that's amazing. How did it go, though, like playing out in the ocean compared to the pool? like Especially with the field, like was the field moving around because of the waves? Like how did it all work?
0: It was a more of a, like a fun game, like for entertainment. Uh, but yeah, there were waves. <laughs> it was very, um, it didn't really look like a proper game, to be honest, but it was really fun. Like the goals move, were moving, the field was moving, but it's just like looking around as we played. It was it was definitely unreal, like once in a lifetime opportunity, I think for
2: sure. No sharks, sauce awesome. No sharks paid a visit.
0: Um, no, no, one, <laughs> one Napoleon fish. There was a huge fish under us. That was kind of fun. <laughs> but yeah, that was it.
1: Yeah. So, like, how, how much time does anyone spend a whole game? I know it's four quarters. Does anyone spend the entirety of each quarter? in the water or is that just too physically demand there's got to be rotation
0: um, there are some players who do it or who can do it it's depending on a game of course of opponent and the, the way the game goes because sometimes there's a lot of stops like if there's a lot of goals then there's a lot of stops so that's also rest but there are some players who can do it uh, but most of the games there are rotations it's, it's pretty hard to play whole game especially yeah, if there yeah. is not much stopping <laughs>
1: Oh, I can imagine. How long are the quarters?
0: So quarters are eight minutes each, and but every time there's a foul or goal or anything, the time stops. So a game ends up being around probably 45 minutes to an hour. Depends. Yeah,
1: right. Okay, yeah, that's really interesting. And another one that <laughs> it might sound like a bit of a silly question, but I've never played water polo in my life. I doubt Lockie's ever played water polo in actually, his life.
2: Actually, so, I, I actually did do oh. two training sessions when I was eight years old. And obviously oh. – I was no good, and I don't remember it, but there you go. Fun fact of the day.
1: <laughs> well, Lockie might know the answer to this, but I'll ask uh, Lena anyway. Well, what's the kind of – what does the ball feel like? Is it more like a basketball or more like a beach ball? How kind of heavy is it? How big is it?
0: Um, it's a bit lighter than – sorry, it's a bit heavier than volleyball, but it's not as heavy as basketball. So it's like in between.
1: Yeah, and about about the same size as a volleyball?
0: Uh, yes, the so women's ball, women balls are a bit smaller than men's. So we have that difference. But yeah, probably the women's will be excited for volleyball.
2: Yeah, unreal. And you're t- chatting to us off air about um, you've recently been going up to the Sunshine Coast for about the last couple months in preparation of the games. I'll tell you what, puts the other coats to shame that are complaining about hubs. You've been doing it for the last few months.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've been there since February. Um, we were pretty excited because... It's, we have girls from all over Australia, so it's really good for us to be at the same place. And considering last time we were in Canberra, everybody was so happy to be in Sunshine Coast.
2: Hey, we love and Canberra, though. Just... We love Canberra on the show. <laughs> Not, won't hear a bad word about it. Shout out to our listeners in Canberra.
0: Yep. Oh, we, it, was, it was good for a bit, but we were there in September and it was freezing. So, <laughs> Sunshine Coast and the beach. Um, but yeah... <laughs> We've been there for a long time, just but it's actually nice training together. We're living together, so seeing each other every day. Um, you know, when it's hard, we are all together. So I think it really brings us closer. It's so much easier going through everything with the teammates.
1: I know you're on a scholarship, but is everyone in the team professional? No part-time jobs on the side for any of the stingers.
0: Well, usually um, it's not really professional sport in Australia, unfortunately. Uh, however, Olympic year we get funded for this year. So no, but because because we are pretty much living away from home, nobody's able to work. So it's only Olympic years that we get actually funded.
1: Oh, so so you've got a part-time job on the side, do you? I know, I know you've played for teams abroad, which we'll get into later. But do you have another job here or uni or anything?
0: No, I graduated uh, from Arizona State University, and then I was in Europe, so I never really. Um, I did some part-time job while I was here, but since we started the camps, it's impossible to work because we have to be full-time, It's full-time committed there.
2: Yeah. And you touched on it there about, uh, I guess, being in Europe, and I'm sure our listeners have already picked up on your awesome accent. So you were born in Serbia, if my spies are correct. Can you tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up there?
0: Yeah. So I was born in Serbia and uh, my dad was um, playing water polo at the time. And my brother started and then we moved to Turkey for his, sorry for, we kept moving as we were younger because of my dad's water polo career. And then we ended up actually in Turkey when I first started playing water polo, but in Serbia and in Turkey, women's water polo wasn't very good. So there wasn't really a girls team for my age. So I played with boys, I started training with boys and I trained with them for like four or five years. Um, And then I was finally able to play with senior girls So that was like so exciting. But still the level there compared to level here was so different. So when I heard we were moving to Australia, I was like, this is the dream come true.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Lucky will get more into the water polo side of things in a sec, I'm sure. But uh, Belgrade, I believe you were born, it was born five years, I think, after the kind of breakup of Yugoslavia, if my uh, history is correct there. So I don't really know anything about belgrade is a city so tell tell us a bit about it well, what's the day in the life of lena Mihailovic in belgrade as a teenager like
0: well to be honest i didn't live that long in um in serbia it's like shortly after i was born we moved to montenegro which was before same country but and then we came back uh for a bit and then we moved to turkey so but i always feel like serbia was my home because my family most of my family is there and um I always go there in the, in summer breaks and everything. It's mentality of the people is different to compare to here and it's landlocked country. So it's surprising that I have really good water polo, but in Serbia example, men's water polo is like the national sport. So it's so big there. It's so, they're so popular. Everybody follows and it's a really small country. So any athletes they have, it's like pride and joy, you know, like Novak when Novak wins, Novak Djokovic. They have like yeah, huge celebrations there. They know everything, so it's it's a lot smaller than than here.
2: Yeah, and uh, you touched on it before that your dad was a water polo player. I'd like to get into a bit more like what made you I guess start playing water polo. Was it your father's influence, or you just saw the sport and thought that looks like a lot of fun? I want to crack into it.
0: Uh, well, uh, growing up, we always followed him because he was changing clubs, so moving countries and everything, and it was for water polo. So. I was always surrounded by water polo as kids. We would always go to his games. And then uh, I was doing, I think, synchronized swimming in Serbia, actually, for a bit, like learning to swim. Yeah. And then we moved to Turkey and I tried swimming, but I was so bored. And then my brother started water polo as well. And then I was like, oh, I'll just go with them to the pool because I had nothing else. And they were going to pool every day. Um, And that's how it started, actually. But I think just because in Serbia, women's water polo wasn't that popular at the time I didn't think much but then once I went to first training I loved it because I loved water sports and then swimming was just too boring for me I couldn't do it and then I love team sports so that's kind of how I started
1: yeah and water polo like I said in the little intro I did it's just such an entertaining sport to watch like I'm tempted to get into it myself even though I'm Bit of a crap swimmer and, and just not much of an athletic kind of guy myself. Not good at many sports. But I know uh, your, your brother, he's played for the Serbian youth team, their national youth team, I think. So growing up, bit of sibling rivalry. We love a bit of sibling rivalry at Where Do We Begin. Who's the better uh, player at water polo growing up?
0: Well, I think he he was always more talented, for sure. He has a really good vision of the game and everything, but he just doesn't have the like hard work part of it. He doesn't... Ooh. Yeah, he doesn't try hard. He likes to play for fun, but so that's yeah. He just now plays local for fun uh, for local club team, but
2: that's it's, it's it. yeah. It's that fa- it's that famous quote. Uh, what is it? Uh, w- talent always works hard. I don't know. I don't know. I'll, we'll, cut, <laughs> we'll cut that part out. But anyway, so let's talk about it. So you're traveling everywhere. You've lived in more countries than Harper and I have prob- probably visited. And then you come to Australia. How did that go about? And what was it like coming to a country where I think you said before like, English wasn't your first language. It wasn't your second. It might it might have been your third. It might have been your fourth.
0: <laughs> yeah, actually, I just had I just played my first junior European Championship with Serbia. 2011 and then my dad said we were moving here. He talked about possibly because he came here for a camp and he really liked it and he told us all these amazing stories. So we were all excited. I was like the most excited because of water polo because I always growing up watched Australia at Olympics and they were my favorite team always. So I was like this is a chance. And I got once uh, one of the girls sent me a cozy from Australian team and I was like oh my dream is to have one of my own. So for me, I was super, super excited. But I remember we got here and it was September and it was raining. It was cold. And, like, first you nights we were at a motel and I was like, oh, my God, this is not what I imagined. But then, like, two weeks later when I got to, like, meet people and everybody settled, I, like, straight away know it. I was like, this is amazing. And I think, like, my brother especially, like, I feel like he was born here. He wants to stay for sure. Like, we really love it here, so...
1: Yeah, and what, what part of um, New South Wales did you first move to? Like, I'm bad at my Serbian pronunciations, but I'm going to try this Australian one. Kirawi, Kiriwi High School <laughs> in New South Wales. Is that where you went?
0: Yeah, yeah, Kirawi. So we first moved to Sutherland because the Cronulla, that's where we came to Cronulla Sharks team, uh, which they pull is, um, like they're based in Sutherland and then we moved within two months we moved to Cronulla but most of the players from my club team went to Kiwi High so that's how they helped us get into that high school and um, yeah I really liked it it was very different to what I was used to in um, in Turkey very relaxed like I love the, the lifestyle here like even like with uniform and stuff everything was so much more <laughs> relaxed um, but yeah we got straight to Kirawee and uh, that's where like we met most of the play- people from water polo going to same high school. So it was kind of easy to make friends and meet everyone.
2: Yeah. And I'll tell you what, Sharks is a great name for a water polo team. I think it, re- it obviously really fits. And I guess from there, so you got scouted uh, by uh, the uni- your college team. Was it uh, Arizona State? I actually didn't know that water polo was a college sport over in America. That's awesome. How did they find you? How they discovered the talent that is Lena.
0: Yes, so um, I made a junior national team here and we went to junior world championships in Madrid and that's where the few of the college coaches were watching and that's how I got in contact with them. Like after games, this they asked me if I was thinking about college and actually at the time I didn't really think at all because we just like recently moved to Australia and I was already happy to be here. But then talking to them and looking at the opportunities there, I think... Here, it's really hard in Australia to train full-time and also go to school. Like, I would have institute trainings here starting at 5 a.m. So I wake up at 4, go there 5 till 7.30, and then catch train all the way back to Cronulla, go to school, and then go to afternoon session and come home at, like, 9 p.m. So it was, like, really hard. Um, And then I couldn't imagine doing that for university, but there in college, they literally organise all your um, classes around trainings they speak to teachers they everything is like organized for you and handed on the plate basically you can just you just have to focus on training and they help give you like, academic advisors like everything so to support you to do well in school so that whole idea I was like okay this sounds really good because I don't know how could I keep doing this for another six years here And then the more I spoke to them, the more I was like, oh, maybe I can just try it. And then my plan was to go for one year, but then I stayed for three and a half.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. It's panned out well for you, clearly. But what I'm really interested in, obviously, it's a massive step up Um, moving country. Well, I guess you're used to moving countries, but moving countries, uh, playing at this college level. We've spoken a bit about training methods earlier, but there was more kind of gym stuff. What went into a typical college uh water polo training session when you were actually in the water what kind of drills were you doing i suppose
0: well the difference that i found there was the trainings were very long so our one session would be at least three hours or three and a half to four wow. hours in the water which is very long time and then we would have an hour of gym straight after so your training is like five hours almost uh but then, yeah we would always swim to start and then the passing shooting a lot of they do a lot more like tactical work. It's very like almost robotic. We learn every move, um, like exactly to perfection. Like less, I feel like there is less freedom because it's it's like a college team, and we spend so much time together, so we have more time to like perfect everything. That was a big difference and like shock for me. I didn't believe that we could actually stay four hours in the water. And at the beginning of season, there is a week they call Hell Week and it's basically the time where we can train unlimited hours and it's actually hell.
2: <laughs> oh, no. So that was hard. What goes on in that uh, that Hell Week? <laughs> sounds like something from MasterChef.
0: It's, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, because that week there is no school. It's right before school starts and before the season. So it's just water pollen. I remember we would have like four hours in the morning and then a break and then another um, trading and then some video and stuff. And I remember going in between and I was like, do I take a nap or do I eat? Like <laughs> I don't have time for both. <laughs> so that, that week is always the hardest.
2: <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, I'm just getting exhausted to listen to that, but I'll tell you what, <laughs> proof is in the pudding. And I think it led to a bit of success. And in 2015, if my facts are correct, you won the World University uh, Games, you won gold medal.
0: Yeah, that was uh, that was amazing. I feel like University Games was the closest thing to – like Olympics for us, like the, just the atmosphere, not actual water polo, but being in the village, being able to watch all the other sports, being surrounded by all the other countries. It was definitely my favorite tournament um, around that time before seniors. And we never expected to win gold. We were more training for after we had junior 95 championship. So we thought like, oh, this is great preparation to see how we can go. And obviously we were trying, but we never really expected to go that well. So it was like perfect, perfect Love
2: that. Love that real underdog story.
1: <laughs> but what was the kind of uh, – what, what were the different countries there? Was it a similar kind of variety of countries to the Olympics or yeah, what, what kind of countries were at those World University Games?
0: Uh, there was there – was, I remember there was Turkey. I saw a lot of my friends from Turkish team. Uh, there was Serbian water polo girls team actually there and a lot of girls I played with. There were – I don't know. There were, there were a lot of many like different countries, Germany, Netherlands, I'm pretty sure. Um, I don't know. I remember, I think, yeah, France. Um, I think there was maybe like 30 countries or even more, but uh, it was really interesting in our, in our tower, it was like all Australian teams. And then I think Montenegro and basketballs with us. So there was like each tower had most of like their own country and then um, next to us, like, different countries. So every building would put, like, flags of their, like, countries. It was so such a good um, – it was really good, like, all colourful. Like, then you go to food hall and there are all different sports. Like, you can tell basketball players are always stall. And then, yeah, it was a really good experience.
2: That's unreal. That's unreal. And I guess we'll quickly touch on your college before we get back to the uh, the senior, your senior international debut. But um, so you scored 131 goals in your time at Arizona, placing yourself in top 10 of all time. Like, what is the pride that you take from that?
0: Um, well... I feel like goals is just one part, but it's mainly, like, I think we made NCAAs the year I was there. So, for me, that was, like, one of the biggest things, like, team doing well. Um, I was – I had really good coaches who were supporting me there. So, since I came, I was uh, in the starting team, and they really, like, supported me to grow as a player. And I think that showed throughout my years, like, growing from freshman till senior year. But, yeah, I think probably the biggest thing for me was when we actually beat – one of the top four teams like Cal Berkeley because um, Stanford, USC, UCLA and Cal Berkeley are always top four teams and in few of my years we, we managed to beat them so that was probably more important to me than, than the goals.
1: Yeah, yeah, really nice. But the obviously representing the stingers just, uh, well, halfway through your stint at college. Was that a similar process being headhunted for that to being headhunted to go to uh, Arizona State?
0: Um, well, I think uh, being part of Australian team was like always my dream. Of course, um, I was a kid and before I left, there were certain camps with like seniors that I was invited to, but just like when they needed extra players. And I remember even in the middle of my exams here for university, I had like three day break and I went to Canberra to be between HSC exams just so I could go for that camp even for two days. So I think after that 2016 cycle, I was really hoping to like really put my foot into that door and like actually finally be part of make the team so a lot of the girls um retired after 2016 cycle so i thought that was really good opportunity for me to and i was a bit worried because i was away in arizona so when i came back it was like every opportunity to to just like show coaches to be there um yeah that was kind of my idea
1: were you eligible eligible sorry for other countries and did that ever play on your mind, maybe representing Serbia or another country considering you lived in so many countries?
0: Uh, no, I played the juniors for Serbia, but as soon as we moved to Australia, I, I really wanted to, to represent Australia. And I think it's four years, so once I represent Serbia, it has to be, I think, two or four years, and then you can change the countries if you have citizenship. But once I got to Australia, that was, I only wanted to play for Australia pretty much.
1: Did Serbia try to get you, though? Did they make any contact with you to try to get you on the team? Because obviously you're this young gun, an absolute prodigy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I spoke to a few coaches back then, but it's such a different level. Like, um, Serbia is not even at, like in qualifiers for Olympics at the moment. So they're still qualifying for European championships and world championships. They're really, at the moment, really far away from qualifying for Olympics. So I think they also understood my ambitions and being here to travel there uh, for some games, like it's not as many games as here. It was just uh, for me, for my goals and my water polo, it just wasn't wasn't worth it. I think they were pretty good to understand that.
2: Yeah, well, we're absolutely stoked to have you in the green and gold. And in <laughs> 2017, you made your uh, debut in a 16-4 win against Kazakhstan. What was it like to represent your country at the senior level for the first time?
0: Uh, it was uh, it was a dream come true. I actually uh, right before that we were in um, we were in China for the tournament, and I broke my hand in one of the games. And I honestly thought like. <laughs> This was the end. Like I want to make the team for world championship. I was like crying. It was terrible. And I remember they flew me back to see a doctor stared away and see what we can do. And then the next day I had this cast on and I went to like do just leg work because that was the only thing I can do. And I was like, I'm going to do everything I can. So when they come back, I'm still like fit. And I really want to make this team. And I remember when I made it, it was like just to get those green and gold causes on and walk and with a team it was it was really like special moment for me yeah how'd you play (laughs) um i remembered that whole tournament i didn't really play that much but (laughs) um yeah it was it was a new team and everything so i didn't get as much opportunity to play world champs that year but i think every time i got in, i was like i'm just going to try my best
1: that, that was in China, you said, yeah, that World Champs or? No, Budapest.
0: Oh, no, that was Budapest.
1: Budapest. Yeah, I thought so. Um, yeah, that's what the research was telling me. But at at the same time, maybe it was a bit later, you signed for a Hungarian team in Budapest, I believe. Was it Ferenc Varoši? Uh, is, is that? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, Ferenc Varozhi. I think. They always pronounce it a bit different, <laughs> but something like
1: that. So um, what's the experience like of playing for a Hungarian team? People in Australia probably know absolutely nothing about Hungary. What's the experience like of living in Hungary, living in Budapest? People know it's a really beautiful city and the, the Euro League, which I'm guessing is one of the best leagues in the world.
0: Yeah, so definitely I think Budapest was beautiful. And Waterpool in Hungary is one of – like for women and actually for men, it's one of the best leagues in the world. So that was great for me. The games are really good quality. Uh, it's professional there. So all of the girls in the team, that's their only job. And we just train. We have – Lunch provided, everybody there gets salaries and everything. So that was really different to what I was used to here. And in college, it's different. And obviously, the games were so good. Some of the best players were playing there. Um, However, I found (laughs) Hungarians really cold. Um, Like, not many people spoke English in my team. And, like, the coaches didn't speak English. So that was really hard. I tried to learn Hungarian, but it was really difficult. Um, And I struggled with that. I just found it... um, just different culture and I didn't quite fit in, but luckily there were a few, um, there was a girl as well who played from US and Netherlands and then a few Serbians that I knew. So they helped me out a bit, but water polo-wise definitely one of like, the best experiences. I think I learned so much, but like life-wise um, it was a bit difficult.
2: Yeah, that's, that's really interesting because I feel like a lot of the reason that people play sport, it is for that social aspect, like you touched on it before, you know, you love playing in a team sport. That's like one of the things that drew you to water polo. So did it really make you hard, hard to actually enjoy playing the sport there and that, I guess you struggled to sort of have those strong friendships just due to part of the language barrier. And just, as you said that you felt like some people were a bit cold.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like I was living um, alone in the apartment there and it was really hard, like if we win a game, and I was like, oh, what are we doing? Like, it's such a good, like, atmosphere. I'm so happy. And then everybody's like, oh, I'm just going home with my husband or I'm um, like, you know, and then or they would speak something and start laughing. And I'm like, oh, what? And they're like, oh, I can't explain you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, like, it was really, I felt really left out in that sense. And, um, yeah, I really found it hard to fit in there. But, like, in the pool during trainings and games, it was, like, kind of different. Like, we spoke almost like this waterfall language that it was really easy to understand each other and communicate. But then as soon as it was out of the water, um, I really struggled to to make friends with them. And just that like, I don't know, that f- kind of family feeling, I didn't feel that there at all. So
2: Yeah, that sounds incre- incredibly tough. Because I can imagine, you know, new country, probably didn't know many people. So you would have thought that, a lot of your friends and I guess sort of family over there would be the water polo team. And that really sucks. Do you think that it affected your performance on the, on the, uh, I was about to say on the field, but in the pool?
0: Yeah. um, I think it was a bit hard when like our coach would take time out and then start saying stuff. And then I could hear my name and I was just like looking, (laughs) I have no idea what you're saying. (laughs) And then he was like, yeah, yeah, let's play that. And I like would know two words out of what he said. And then the girls would, like, look at me and yell in Hungarian. I'm like, I have no idea what everybody's talking. So I was, like, trying to guess. So things like that, there was a bit of a fact that I think if I could speak language and communicate with them better. But I think as the season progressed, that we understood, like, they could know what I understand and what I don't. Um, but, yeah, I, they told me to go and get Hungarian lessons, so I tried, but I didn't learn much. <laughs> it was too hard. Uh, But, yeah, in the water, it was just easier because all the drills and, like, by looking at each other and a lot of trainings, we kind of learned to communicate and and play together. So that was less of a problem than out of the water.
1: Yeah, I think people in general, in fans and viewers and the audience of professional sport really doesn't kind of take these things into account, especially uh, if, like, adapting to a new culture or um, just kind of, issues with your state of mind uh, affecting your performance. But l- looking back on it now, would you say it was worth doing that move or you regret it looking back on it uh, three years later, I think it is?
0: Um, I I wouldn't say I regret it for sure because I think I learned so much. Um, I watched a lot of games there. I love also watching men's water polo and that was one of the best leagues. I also got opportunity to speak to some of my favorite players Um who actually were playing there and playing in the same club team. And I also got to play with, like, a lot of Hungarian players that I thought are, like, amazing players and everything and definitely made friends. I think it was great great um, experience, but I'm not sure if I would do it again at the moment. <laughs> but I don't regret it at all, so...
2: So, yeah, so you finished up playing in Europe, it's 2019 World Championships, you know, the Australian women's senior team, they've been struggling in recent tournaments over a few years and I'll let you fill out, I'll let you fill in the rest.
0: Yeah, we've been struggling, we um, haven't really been really like playing good as a team and then um, I think that 2019 was really like what? Um, games we, like, got together and all the preparation and trainings, there was no really much pressure on us. We felt, like, really like a team. And we actually focused game by game, game by game. And then in the previous tournaments, we we played a lot of the teams and we realised we lost a lot of the games, but we were very close. Um, a few games before World Champs and the World League. And we felt like we, we could definitely do this. We were so close, but we were just missing a little bit. And I think when we got to Korea, um, we, that was, like... I think we played as a team. There was not really any player that individually shined. It was really all game. Like there was no one outstanding, but everybody was consistent. And I think that was like what made us play good and, and actually um, get a bronze.
2: I reckon you've under it there. Not just bronze. <laughs> I think that's an, that's an amazing achievement. I mean, that, that's one of the biggest, I think, achievements probably in the last like eight or so years in uh, women's water polo in Australia.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was definitely like, um, and also we were, we were not like aiming for it, but we were really focusing game by game. And then once we like once we got to that semifinal, I had a really good feeling. Like as soon as the game started, I felt like we got this. So, so it was good. Yeah.
2: I'll tell you what. What I'm taking out of this from talking about your uh, your uni world championship gold and your uh, your medal here is that if you don't aim for it, you get it. <laughs>
0: I think it's just uh, sometimes, like, people get stuck in just thinking, oh, I want to win, you know, gold, 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 gold. And then you actually skip all the steps that are going to take you to the grand final. So um, I think us taking, like, each game, game by game. Because none of the games were easy. Like, we played Japan, which we, like, always win. And that was actually a really hard game. Japan had such a good tournament. And then our China game, we beat them only by two goals. And... You know, there was a lot of games that, so none of the games were easy. And I think going in the games thinking, okay, it's one by one, and not straight away thinking about, oh, we're going to play like US, who's like the best team or anything like that. I think that's what really made us stay present in each day and game and um, do it step by step properly and actually get to there.
1: Mm, and I guess we have to address the elephant in the pool at some stage. So <laughs> the, the big question, uh, your, your dad, uh, just before that tournament, uh, Predrag, I believe, he became the new coach of the team. So that that is just got to be a really strange, surreal experience. Uh, maybe less so because you grew up with him the whole time and you did water polo stuff together. But can you describe the experience of being coached in a big tournament and in general by your dad?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I think um, he used to coach men before we came to Australia. So uh, he started coaching me here in the institute and that was a bit tough at the start when I was 15. Uh, But then I think I in my actually first year, as soon as he was coach, we kind of set this like different relationships. So we have very different relationship around the pool and at home. Um, And also I was away from home for so long. So, um, yeah, it's hard to explain, but I feel like, we're very distant almost. Actually, we went on one of the tournaments and we got a new physio and she, after like seven days, she was like, you and the coach have the same surname. I was like, yes. <laughs> so a lot of people didn't even notice, but um, I think it has to be very, like, very um, distanced and different relationship to, to like, being a family, you know, because, um, like, I think he's also very more... Like, I don't know how to explain. Like, usually if he will be like, it's hard to explain, like say something to someone for not swimming enough. I feel like it will be always harsher on me just because it has to go to that end. So that's kind of the hard part about it, but I've got really used to it. So when he became the coach, I was already prepared. And I think that's how it has to be because it's for the team and everything.
2: No, that's good. It sounds like you have a really well-balanced and professional relationship. I guess, I think, Harper, you've been involved in sport. I know I've been involved in sport. When things, when things are going bad, you know, sometimes, like, you can be annoyed at the coach. Like, does it ever make it awkward between your teammates and the fact that, I'm not saying they do, but if they're ever annoyed at the coach, like, they can't say anything around you? Does it ever come, like, is that ever awkward? No, that doesn't really happen.
0: Um, I think it probably does. I think <laughs> probably they do, but <laughs> they don't tell <feel> <laughs> me. No, but I, a lot of times I hear like we all like a lot of times I like if we are doing hard swim set. Yeah. A lot of times I'm <laughs> angry with him and I'm like, oh, is this really necessary? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I also say a lot of bad things during the training. So, um, but yeah, uh, I think everybody in the team is pretty good about it, understanding like that and. Um. Like there are some difficult things, like example when the team and everything was announced, I was away with my brother because I just felt it was gonna be easier not to be, you know, at home and things like that. But they're just little things. I think we'll we learn to have this like relationship that that is um functional for, for what we wanna do, like water polo.
1: Oh, I think you're on your dad's laptop now, so you clearly spend, still spend a bit of time with him. So what's the um, – you touched on it briefly, but what's the relationship like at home talking about water polo? Do you ever talk about the team at home?
0: Um, No, we don't really talk about the our team. We, like I would talk about other teams than water polo in general because I love – literally I was obsessed with water polo since I as a kid so I have watched all the European men competitions and everything so we would talk about that like Euroleague um, and that but not really about uh, our team or like Stinger's team we would talk about the club league or things like that but never specific things about um, about our team because I feel like I don't think he would actually give me anything answers or something that he wouldn't say in front of the team so I don't want to even try asking <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I guess you guys are looking in ripping form after that 2019 World Championships and I guess heading into the Olympics. Firstly, how do you feel heading into the Games as well as the fact that the year, like the year off, the year break, do you think that is an advantage for you or were you guys ready to rip into 2020 Olympics and dominate?
0: I think it was definitely hard um, when we found out because we were actually flying to Italy for training camp and then we stopped in Dubai and then on the news it was that COVID got really bad so we actually spent the night in Dubai and then came back home <laughs> so that was terrible and then everything escalated and then we we're like okay this is not happening and we just spent like five months in Canberra before that so that was really heartbreaking but then like looking around the world and realizing what's happening it really put things into perspective like it's not all about sports you know it's There are families and there is life outside of that and things that are more important. So we took a bit of a step back and then when everything settled, we started training again. And I think we have uh, right now like a lot of younger girls in the team and I think an extra year actually was really good for us to have more time to train together. The only disadvantage is that we couldn't have games, but I think um, a lot of us like really improved in this last year and this extra time actually worked out pretty well for us. So... I think it's good. We'll see. The only thing that we didn't have many games and our first games are going to be at Olympics after after almost two years.
2: Yeah, you worried that you're going to be a bit like scratchy then because I think it doesn't matter what the sport is. Like having a bit of time off training, you can only replicate it so much. And I guess especially for you at your first Olympics, like one of the highest standards of the sport.
0: Um, actually, yeah, it, I think it's going to be difficult, but we got we got a lot of younger boys teams, like eighteen uh, under 18 boys teams to play against. So we tried to replicate the games, and obviously it's a bit different. Some of them are a bit stronger. Some of them, like, they don't grab as much, actually. They kind of <laughs> play nicer than the girls. <laughs> so we tried to replicate games as much as possible, but um, that's, that's all we got. And I think we just have to, to go and um, not think that that was disadvantage, but maybe see it as an advantage that, you know, nobody else get, got to play us and then see how we go.
1: That's a good point. I hope, I really hope that our listeners are enjoying learning about the kind of team sports and how they've been affected by COVID coming into the Olympics, because this is the first athlete from a team sport we've had. I'm certainly enjoying listening to you speak about how COVID's impacted everything, but the goals for the Olympics, what what is it? It's um, winning bronze at that World Championships two years ago, but before then having a bit of a... Not the greatest one of form. So are you aiming for a medal and for gold? Is that the ideal uh, prize?
2: Well, she's already hit one of her goals, go on the best podcast in Australia, so you can tick that one <laughs> <Yeah>. off.
0: <laughs> That's ticked off. So next one is gold at the Olympics. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, definitely. We're definitely um, going for that gold. That's the aim. But like I said, we're going to take um, game by game. It's actually Olympics is very, very interesting because especially in the women's, there are so many teams that are so close together and anything can really happen. So I think, um, yeah, we're just aiming for that, for that each game one by one. And then hopefully we get to the final and bring back the gold.
2: Yeah, well, Harper and I, uh, we're confident that you'll uh, you'll get the gold. Not that we're the uh, water polo experts, although according to Harper, he's the number one ticket holder for water polo in Australia. He's gone on this whole podcast how much he loves it. But (laughs) I guess I'm interested to know, you said there's so many teams in the mix and I know that you beat um, Hungary in that bronze medal match. Who are the strong teams and who do you think will be fighting it out for the gold with you?
0: Uh, I think USA is definitely one of the best teams they have had a really long streak of wins and we broke that streak in brisbane um into into beginning of 2020 so that was the first game they lost in almost like 2 years so that really gave us the confidence but they're definitely the team to to look for because they won last um last olympics last world champs actually um they won last two olympics and world champs and everything so Um, they're they're definitely at the moment the top team and then Europeans are very very close it depends really much on the day but US would be at the moment the top
1: yes I'll say it again I'm looking forward to watching it very very much Uh, what what, what are the big things uh, the big traits of the Australian team the stingers that other teams are going to be looking out for and that could potentially take you towards a gold medal
0: Uh, well we're definitely one of the fastest team I think we play a very very fast game and we a lot of teams like it's hard for them to follow us and we're both strong and fast team so um, that's kind of different style to what europeans play we tend to move a lot we play a lot of like with movements and um also like we have players who are strong enough to hold you know like their strong big centers and things like that so yeah i think that's our main advantage being like very mobile and still strong
2: I like it. The quick Australians, I, lo- I love that. And I guess our fi- one of our final questions, but probably the most important is, is like, do you have any life philosophies? You've probably heard this on the other podcast as you've listened to them before, but there's any little words that you sort of live your life by?
0: Um, actually, I thought about this, but I don't know. There's nothing really, really in particular. Um, But yeah, like with water polo, it will probably be like um, team above all because – For me, like being with a team for so long and living, there is a lot of times where you think about yourself, but it's actually the most important thing is to think what is the best for the team. So I think living with a team for so long, that's what kind of helped me, uh, helped us become a better team. And since I've been like, with them for so long in the last few months, that's
2: probably... <laughs> Not in Canberra, though. No, no. That's what that's what you're happy about. Not in exactly. Canberra. <laughs> Closer
0: to the beach.
1: <laughs> now, you don't have a life philosophy, which is fair enough. Not everyone has a life philosophy. I don't really have a particular life philosophy. But a question I might ask instead of that, what do you think the kind of positive traits are that other people see in you? What makes you a kind of good person to hang out with?
0: Um, I think because of my experiences that I like lived in so many different places and I met a lot of people and been through a lot of different experiences. I find it really easy to connect with people and understand them, like no matter where you're from or what have you been through. So I think that's something like wherever I went, I made really good friends and I was, I felt like I made really good connections. So that's probably one thing.
2: Yeah. Wow. Those were amazing traits to have. And I guess hopefully they can keep you in good stead as this is the part of the show that you've been the most nervous about. It's the
1: quiz. <laughs> <laughs> we love the quiz here on Where Do We Begin and I will hit the music. For gets the spine tingling, gets the goosebumps going. Uh, are you guys nervous? You looking forward to it? Lockie, what do you reckon?
2: Yeah, I'm nervous for Lena. I've been in ripping form lately.
0: Oh. Lena,
2: what do you reckon? <laughs>
1: Yeah, Popped up.
0: <laughs> yeah, so excited.
2: <laughs> what, what's scary? What's going to be scarier, playing our uh, USA in the gold medal final, or facing off with me in the quiz?
0: I think the quiz.
1: <laughs> Obviously, answer. a lucky, stupid question, mate. We'll, we'll start with question one. Of course, you guys both know how it works. Your name is your buzzer, so buzz in with your name, obviously. Uh, The five questions all have some kind of loose, vague connection to your career. Very, very loose and very, very vague. But we'll start with question one. So am I correct in saying that you were born on the uh, 10th of August? Yeah. Okay. Good. Good to know. I stuffed that up once with a different (laughs) guest last year. So got it bagged on this time, which is good. So question one. The term the 10th of August is widely used by historians as a shorthand for the storming of Tuileries Palace on the 10th of August, 1792. Now, which monarchy did this storming effectively end? The storming of Tuileries Palace in 1792.
2: Insert cricket noises. I've got no idea. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, I th- maybe, maybe I'm saying it wrong. Well I, I thought the kind of name of the palace would give it away. Tw- Twitter. Well, I'll,
2: go I'll go lucky. I'll go. I'll just go um, Serbia because it's connected.
1: To- <laughs> <laughs> Serbia is <laughs> incorrect. I'm afraid, uh, Leno, Do you want to have a go?
0: Um, I don't know. Actually, I have no idea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, the answer is the French monarchy. There there you go. I I I know a bit of information for our listeners, which is definitely going to come in handy in your everyday (laughs) life. But we'll move on to question two. (laughs) Good start, guys. Uh, Nil all. So, question two is a multiple choice question. So, uh, of course, the Aussie women's water polo team called the Stingers. So, got a bit of a question about stingers. So, on average, how many bee stings would it take to kill an 80 kilogram human? Is it A? Three hundred three hundred seventy nine bee stings. B three thousand seven hundred ninety six bee stings. C nine hundred seventy three bee stings. Or D nine thousand seven hundred thirty six bee stings.
2: Rocky, I'm going to go. I'm going to go D. D nine thousand seven hundred
1: thirty six stings is incorrect. I'm afraid. Lena. <laughs> Lena, do you want to have a go? Yeah. Yeah, B. B, 3,796 B stings is absolutely correct.
2: I did the hard work. I did the hard work. You should <laughs> split the points, split the points.
0: I <laughs> knew it guys, from the <laughs> beginning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope that the nerves are a bit eased now after going one nil up, kind of ease into the quiz, get off to a good start. Uh, well, the question 1 was a good start, but question 2. In the I,
2: I always lull uh, the guest into a false sense of security.
1: That is a good point. That is a very good <laughs> point. Uh, he, he really hits back hard in question five typically, but we move to question three. So am I right in saying that your position, uh, well, position considering that aren't really positions in water polo, is a right-hand driver? Yes. Okay, good. Uh, so I'm going to give you a list of eight countries, and you've got to tell me which four countries have their traffic driving on the right. So – here are the eight countries. You've got to give me the four that drive on the right. Brazil, France, Japan, Ireland, proper New Guinea, South Africa, South Korea, and the mainland United States.
2: Is Australia on the left or right? I actually don't know. <laughs>
1: oh, what's it considered? <laughs> Mate, how have you got your license? Well, left. Jesus. left. <laughs>
0: okay, Lena.
1: <laughs> Lena. The four countries which drive on the Right.
0: Uh, United States.
1: United States um, is wait. What? Yeah. Um. Which other
0: countries did you say? Um. Uh, sorry, was, uh, South Africa.
1: Where? Uh, South Africa is incorrect. I'm afraid. Ah. South Africa drives on the left hand side. So, Locked what are the other
2: countries? What are the other countries?
1: We had Brazil, France, Japan, Ireland, Papua New Guinea, South Africa, France. South Korea. I'll go
2: France. I'll go France.
1: France is correct.
2: Doing the hard work. Three more, as per the last question. Uh, I'll also go. Um, I'll go Brazil.
1: Brazil is also correct. You've got two more. One more. Well, do you, maybe just say the one that Lena gave you, just to confirm that you remember. You United States. The United States is correct. And what, what's and the, the other, last one?
2: What's the other country? What are the countries remaining?
1: We've got Japan, Ireland, Papua New Guinea, South Africa, and South Korea.
2: I'd be Ireland.
1: Island is incorrect. He's choked at the very last minute. Oh, Lena, lucky, lucky to stay in that one because the answer was uh, South Korea. South Korea drives on the right-hand side. Um, yeah, there's some more useless information for the listeners out there. But we'll move. That was on actually to... very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I guess so. If you if you say so. But move to question four.
2: <laughs> very dismissive there, Harper.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, to me. It's not too interesting. All, all of these facts are a bit uh, uninteresting. But anyway, move <laughs> to question four, which is the closest to the pin question. Uh, Lena is still one nil up. So uh, you were born uh, exactly a year before Kylie Jenner. So I've got a little question that's a closest to the pin question about Kylie Jenner. So as of uh, eight fourteen pm uh, on the sixteenth of June, twenty twenty one. How many Instagram followers does Kylie Jenner have?
2: Well, okay, I'll go 22 million.
1: 22 million is incorrect. <clears throat> but it's closest to the pin. I'll give Lena a go. I've gone way too far. 30
0: million? Low.
2: It'd be something ridiculous. 30
1: million is also incorrect, but you get the point because it is 241,150,205. So, Maybe lucky to get the point there again, but you've gone 2 to up, up. So there there you go. You.
2: turns out there's 241 million idiots out there. <laughs> <laughs> but Jeez, I'll gosh, tell you what, gosh, I, gosh. I'm stiff. I'm doing the hard work in this. I'm knocking out the obvious answer. I'm going under. And I was on the last one. I get three out of four right and I get no points. I'd like a referral. But,
0: at least you were really close with the number on this one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Letter did say before the show that she was a bit nervous about because she knew it was going to be really hard. So that is the one characteristic that we love about the quiz, Lockie. It's really hard. So, mate, I think you just got to suck it up, and we'll move to question five. Uh, question five, though, of course, who am I? Question. So, Lockie is still in the game, but if he complains one more time, I'll deduct five <laughs> points, so he won't be still in the game. Uh, so, I'm gonna um, give you a series of clues, starting from five points going all the way down to one point, uh, leading, of course, to who I am. And once you buzz in, you can't buzz in again until the other person gets it wrong. So we'll start with the five-point clue. I was born on the 24th of June, 1987. Bit tricky there, I reckon. So move to the four-point clue straight away. Having grown up in a tight-knit family, I'm the third of Celia and Jorge's four children and, as a devout Catholic, dedicate my achievements to my grandmother, who died shortly before my 11th birthday. Tragic
2: story, but continue.
1: (laughs) Yeah, really. Uh, the, the tears are flowing down my cheek as we speak. But move down to the three point clue, uh, Lockie. You've got to get it here, unless you uh, unless we want to go to a tie break. And I really cannot be bothered getting a tie break question. So uh, <laughs> have, have a go here, please, Lockie, so three, for three points. My career aspirations were threatened when, at age ten, I was diagnosed with a growth hormone deficiency.
2: Where, where were you born?
1: Uh, I've not revealed that information yet.
2: Uh, you continue then. I've got nothing.
1: Okay. We'll move to the two points.
2: Le- Lena might want to have a guess. Nope.
0: Nah.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. We we'll move. Uh, Lena and Lockie, uh, yeah. you can still both guess, of course. So we'll move to the two-point clip. Uh, grew up playing for my childhood team, Newell's Old Boys, in my hometown, Rosario, the 34th most populous city in South America. Lockie, you've got to have a crack here. Lockie, oh, I've
2: got no idea. Lose. Is it uh, so? Was it soccer that he played?
1: Uh, I, I have not revealed that, but the childhood team that he played for was called uh, Newell's Old Boys
2: oh, man, in,
1: got, uh, in Rosario in South America.
2: I've got no idea. I'm just going to say Madonna.
1: Ma- Madonna, Madonna, the singer. Is, no, no, uh, I no, mm. no what's the um, Okay, okay. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Diego Maradona. Maradona. Uh, is also incorrect oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I it's, it's all,
2: 1987 it's, he's not
1: <laughs> yeah I think Madonna and Maradona will both be very happy with you uh, for oh, saying they were geez. born in 1987 <laughs> but uh, Leonard do you want to have a go for the two point or should I just move to the one point clue
0: just yeah just move to one point <laughs> I still have <no> okay.
1: idea. <laughs> so like, that's secured a loss uh, for Lockie but we'll move to the one point clue Having scored over 500 career goals, I'm widely regarded as one of the greatest ever footballers. Geez, bit early to play that. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, having scored Messi? over five. Oh, yep. Didn't even need to finish the clue. Very nice. <laughs> Absolutely correct. And now I can play the applause music.
2: I'm not. I'm not having this. This this quiz nice. is rigged, and I'm leaving. <laughs> I am not happy.
1: <laughs> well. Uh, since Lo- <laughs> he's actually left the meeting. <laughs> just for our listeners at home, uh, Lockie has actually left the Zoom meeting, so it's up to me to outro <laughs> the show. Uh, so just before we go, uh, Lena, um, we do have a bit of a tradition. Oh, he's back. <laughs> uh, Lockie, I nearly outroed the show without you there, but I was just telling veda <laughs> uh, these bloody effects are just playing out of nowhere. Are you guys hearing this? Very annoying. Anyway, stepping aside from the effect playing for no particular reason before we let you go Lockie, you got anything else to say ask anything
2: yep congratulations on the win i didn't take it too well but I've, i've gathered my thoughts after leaving the zoom uh congratulations it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and i can't wait to watch you dominate at the olympics
0: oh thank you so much it was it was so much fun and thanks for having me
2: oh how good was that i'll tell you what i know our listeners probably have heard of yin and yang well, that was a complete opposite. You had Lena, who was an absolute expert on the sport. Then you had Harper, the self-proclaimed expert, <laughs> waffling on. So I apologize for that, Lena. I am sure I know Harper. I'm pretty sure off-air he offered that he could be uh, your next coach. But uh, look, I wouldn't take him up on the offer. But thank you so much for coming on. It was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, and uh, honestly, I claim to know a bit about water polo. I do honestly really enjoy watching the sport, but before coming into this I knew nothing about it. I really learnt a lot not only about water polo, about Lena's really amazing story uh, so I, I really really enjoyed it I hope our listeners did as much as us if not more but Lockie, a few quick plugs before we go
2: yeah I'd just like to thank Lena again it was a lot of fun one of my favourite episodes and I hope you'll speak to us again after listening to Harper waffle on oh gee sorry I've driven in a bit hard at your halves, <laughs> but I'll just plug our socials before I go too far so you can find us on Facebook at Where Do We Begin and you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at WD WB pod.
1: And of course, YouTube for a bit of video content because, of course, that's what YouTube is. Uh, where do we begin on YouTube? And you can see Lena's Song of the Week, which is a corker. Uh, I know what a song of the week is. It's really worth listening to. So check it out on our Instagram story at WDWB pod. And of course, a little favour to ask of you guys, of course, uh, we're. And, of course, just a little favor to ask of you guys. We don't ask much of you over here at Where Do We Begin. You don't have to do this. No obligation whatsoever. But it does take a lot of work uh, for this, to run this podcast, really. And if you want to help us keep it running, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Where Do We Begin. All lowercase, no capitals, nothing like that. Apart from that, I reckon that's us done for the evening, Lockie. What do you reckon?
2: I'd like to thank our listeners again, too, and can't wait for the, our next episode.
1: It'll be great. See you then, guys. Thanks for listening.
2: See ya.